You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Thursday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're chatting with musician and teacher Sam Barber about his debut children's book, The Litterbug. And I'm really delighted that Sam joins us this afternoon. Welcome to the program, Sam. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Noreen. It's a pleasure. So we are um, live on Facebook as well this afternoon. For our listeners, feel free to join us this afternoon. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to and you'll be able to see and hear Sam there. So uh, congratulations, by the way, your very first children's book. Such a great feeling. Yes, it must be so amazing to see it in the shelves. Absolutely, yes. It's. I mean, back in April this year, when it was when it arrived at my home, I was so delighted to hold the actual book in my hands. It was like a baby, really. Absolutely. And wonderful, wonderful feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, tell us the the, the process, but maybe we'll get to that in in a bit. (laughs) First of all, tell us a little bit more about the book, the little bug. The the litter bug started out as a drama script for my students. I am I'm a teacher by trade. I, I work at a wonderful school in Kwai Fong and it's called Buddhist Lim Kim Tian Memorial Primary School. I've had the pleasure of working there for many years. And I also co teach the drama team. And uh, the litter bug was my first attempt at writing an original story, fresh, you know, from, from ideas and I I added a song as well, an original song. And I was inspired to continue that practice thereafter. That was back in 2016. But it wasn't until fast forward into 2020 when I uh, thought about the idea of um, writing a story for children. And I I had several stories to, to kind of choose from, but I chose The Litterbug because that was the first original story that I'd written for kids. So um, from around August 2020, up until, like I said, April 2022 this year, when I when I got the book in my hand, that was the kind of the length of time it took to kind of flesh the, the script out from around 2,000 words to start off with to around 18,000 words um, over 100 pages in what you see today, which is the, the litter bug. Yeah, hold it up for our yeah, listeners yeah. For, for Facebook. <laughs> You'll be able to see Sam's book, The Litter Bug. Wow, so it originally it was for the stage. Now that you see it, you know, on the page, how much did you have to sort of flesh out? How much of it changed? How much of it did you have to add, keep adding to it? Yes, it was a great experience, actually. And and the, the story evolved through the course of the writing process. And I, I actually evolved as well. I learned so much from that process, you know. I was uh, mentored by a very, uh, very well-known author called Sandra Glover in the UK, um, who, as part of a, a literacy consultancy called Cornerstones in the UK, I was partnered with her as, as my mentor. So she helped me a lot in that process of um, speeding up the dialogue in the story, uh, adding some new ideas, potential avenues for the main character to go down. And of course, the the moral themes as well that I would like to get across. So the actual stage performance of the show is very different from the book. Of course, you've got two thousand words to play with in a drama script, and you know, ten or fifteen minutes on stage. But this book kind of uh, goes way beyond what the the script um, did actually. So it's very exciting, I think. It's almost like a new skill, really, from um, carrying the the narrative through conversation. Now mm. you have to have a, a, a sort of a different way to tell the story. Yes, conversation actually. and um, I suppose a narrator. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I learned so much about the process during this, you know, eighteen months to two years. It was a wonderful experience, you know, um, coming from a position 
where I had a drama script and then, you know, I had this idea only. Oh, I wanted to write this book, but then how do you make it a reality? And I found that it's building blocks step by step. Um, contact the consultancy, have a mentor, work on the edits with the mentor and, and you know, just give time to it every day, I would say. Exactly. Um, Did you treat it like a sort of like a job? Um, or after uh, yeah. hours job? I, I approached it in a way that um, much as I would music, you know, if you practice a little bit every day, yeah. then the, the benefit will come. Whereas if you just practice once a week for a long period of time, I find that that's not very useful. So I kind of chipped away at it, really, in a kind of, I would say, a workmanlike manner. Um, because it's my first book, you know, so a lot, of, a lot of things were slow at the beginning, you know. But once you get your rhythm, once you get the into your kind of groove of writing, then um, it's very exciting because you go into your session, so to speak, and you don't know where you're going to end up. And I, I remember um, Roald Dahl, he mentioned something in an interview that I watched way, way back. He said that you go into kind of a nest, you get into a nest when you're writing, and then you come out of it in kind of a daze. And I could completely relate to that actually because I I could only really write for a couple of hours per day when I was when I was kind of fleshing the whole thing out and then I would be uh, very tired actually yeah. physically mentally you know even that even though you're just sitting there writing it's surprising how much how taxing it is you know so what do you do when you have writer's block do you you know are there yeah. certain skills or things that you've learned along the way I think I I tend I, or maybe you don't have any. Yeah, I, I, I didn't encounter a lot of it, actually. But I encountered moments where I didn't know, I kind of hit a crossroads, if you know what I mean. I could go kind of many different directions and and Bud, the protagonist of the story, wasn't sure where to take him and uh, whether that would work out for him in the end, you know. So it was um, sometimes I would kind of backtrack on myself and go over what I'd written up to that point. Um, and then you would kind of, from there, you would find a way forward. Yeah. I would say so. But thankfully, I, I didn't hit any major roadblocks. So, <laughs> Without giving too much away, can you share with us the plot of your story? Yes, yeah, sure. It's very much centred on uh, a normal boy in Hong Kong, uh, a 10-year-old boy. And uh, this boy loves eating junk food. Any kind of junk food you can imagine, he will eat it. And he, he loves it so much that he doesn't think of the consequences of, of his actions. And, you know, worst of all, he likes to throw away the rubbish after he's he's eaten the snacks on the floor. And if there's a rubbish on the floor, he litters, so he's a litter bug. And all his friends are telling him, you know, you shouldn't do, you shouldn't litter. All his teachers are telling him, please don't litter. His parents are saying to him, don't litter, but he doesn't listen. And one day he discovers a, a brand new sweet shop around the corner from his school when he's kind of walking around looking for places to spend his pocket money. And he, he finds this sweet shop called Strangely Sweet and it just appears out of nowhere and he decides to go in and then that changes the course of his life then because he meets new people, he has new adventures and uh, he learns things along the way. So, <laughs> Why was it important for you to write a story um, about Hong Kong and with Hong Kong characters? I feel like uh, I've been here since 2007, since I graduated and I came out here and I've, I've had the pleasure of working at my school since 2009. Wow. So I'm very, very much attached to my school and very grateful for their support down the years. And uh, as I say, the book is, is centred on um, the main character, Bud. And you can imagine him at my school, I can imagine this kind of character at my school, I see 
this kind of character every day, running around in the corridor, that kind of thing. And I thought, oh, it would be nice to have a story centered on a normal student at this school, unnamed kind of school in the book, but um, very much my school, in Kwai Fong, which is where I work. And often after lunch, cool I'll go... Cool neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah really lovely. Lovely really neighborhood, yeah. And uh, I always enjoy kind of walking around the neighborhood after lunch. And just and, watching what's going on. <laughs> you know, like the market yes. and uh, some little side streets. Like there's a, there's a scene in the book, The Dark and Dirty Alley. You know, there's lots of alleys in Hong Kong, you know. So this kind of gave me the inspiration for that as well. And, you know, walking along and then I can actually visualize the street where this strangely sweet shop is, you know, near my school, actually. So it's very much about uh, Hong Kong for my students. I really wanted to write something that they can relate to. They can personalize with, oh, I recognize Kwai Fong Estate or... Uh, the Star Ferry, or, or somewhere else like that in Hong Kong, you know. So, Absolutely. It's yeah. so nice to have that sort of um, representation. I grew up in Hong Kong, and every time, uh, there's very few books about Hong Kong and, and, and with Hong Kong children, but there are quite a few now. And yeah. it's really nice for, for children who grew up in Hong Kong to see that, because yeah. usually the <laughs> English books that we grew up with are usually from the UK or yeah, the US. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would, you know, I was keen to write something that they could relate to, and also I could um, write with a degree of kind of authenticity, really, because I I've been here for quite a long time, so I, I kind of know the the, the way around Kwai Fong and other areas, so I can put that into the book. Yeah. What sorts of reactions have you had so far? Have you shown some of your students, were they sort of thrilled to see their teacher now an author? Yes, I, well, it's very much in the early stages. I published the book on the 3rd of June this year, so it's um, just over a month. And it has been doing quite well at bookshops in Hong Kong. You know, it's been restocked, actually, um, in one particular shop. And uh, it's out there, it's available now online, and I've had, I've had some reviews of the book on Amazon. And in terms of my students, I haven't really introduced the book yet, but I'm thinking, I'm working with my colleagues on how to integrate the, the book into the curriculum, you know, kind of focusing on key uh, issues such as environmental protection, littering, uh, nature, that, that kind of thing. So kind of trying to perhaps we weave parts of it perhaps into uh, a lesson where if I've got some time I can read to them from, you know, from the book itself. Just when I, like when I was a child, I remember my, my teacher in P3, she used to read Roald Dahl to us just from the book and it was, it was a very magical experience. So everybody's um, sitting on the carpet legs crossed yeah, at the end of the day you know all the, <laughs> yeah. the kids are kind of almost ready to go home but then suddenly she she brought out this book and this for me the book that was a catalyst was uh, fantastic mr fox oh, and that really yes. kind of inspired me to take up reading at that early age so i was around eight yeah and then from then on i i, I was interested in reading yeah around seven or eight it was matilda for me matilda yes. yeah yeah <laughs> lovely book yeah and i kind of went through most of the books then yeah. by roald dahl and then other authors and you know kind of grew from there i think the love of reading stemmed from you know first my parents reading to me and then 
my teachers reading in that kind of way. So. Yeah, part of it is also to encourage better reading habits for students. Hong Kong students are renowned for being super busy. Mm-hmm. I think one study um, done by Pearl's <clears throat> report are saying that um, Hong Kong students are really good at reading. They rank at number one globally, mm-hmm. but because they're so busy, they just don't find the enjoyment or the time to read, uh-huh. which yeah. is super unfortunate. As a as an educator, as a teacher, as as a parent, how how do you encourage better uh, reading habits for, for, for students and, and children in Hong Kong? I, I personally feel like uh, each student should feel a sense of success in the classroom, take something away from the lesson. And it's our duty as a teacher, as a facilitator, to facilitate that environment for them where they can take risks and they're not scared to make mistakes reading-wise, you know. But uh, it all centres on fun for me. I mean, I, I feel like uh, if students enjoy reading and... Uh, if they can feel the the love uh, of teaching from their teachers, you know, which uh, our our students can, then I feel like that will inspire them. And of course, having regular um, interaction with different types of text types as well, original texts, you know, not not just kind of prescribed uh, books, but also not just text real books, books yeah. so to speak. Oh, know, okay, I see what you mean. You know, and and kind of. Um, exposure to that as well so yeah yeah sam i see um the illustrator for your book is Kay wong talk us through the collaboration process because this book was sort of produced and written during the pandemic yes uh-huh. uh, august 2020 kind of start off date really and uh, Kay is a is a lovely friend of mine she's from hong kong and she's she's a very talented artist and she's previously designed some uh, some artwork for my Teacher Ham uh, YouTube channel yes. and, and kind of uh, the CDs that I released uh, on on CD Baby things like that. And then I I kind of asked her whether she'd be interested in in collaborating on this project, you know. And uh, she was wonderful, you know. From the very beginning, we collaborated in a very harmonious way, and uh, she understood exactly what I was trying to say because. Personally, I'm not good at drawing at all. I've never been good at drawing. <laughs> yeah, my students will laugh at me, you know, if I try to draw something on the on the board. Um, but I could give her the chapter, you know, the writing, and then kind of convey what I wanted to say, share share the feelings about it, and then she would she would go away and and come up with a draft, and then we would kind of go through the draft. To be fair, there was quite quite a lot of drafting involved, and there was a lot of um, changes made through the kind of mid middle of the process towards like kind of the three-quarter way mark it's all because at that time the book was still evolving yes. chapter wise as well i was still not 100 percent sure how many chapters were going to be in the book and then i would like a i would like a, an illustration for each chapter so that I would, sometimes i'd have to go back and say oh uh, can you redo this one or just add a little bit here it was always kind of fine-tuning actually it was because um i wanted the the pictures to relate as much as they could to what i was trying to say in the text and the kids could get something from the pictures immediately and, try, and build their understanding from the pictures yeah. you know so which is i think just as important as the as the text sounds like you have a re- really good working relationship to have that sort of flexibility mm. and, and and that's was, the whole beauty of it was very flexible <laughs> yeah very much so because uh, i mean for, first of all we are friends and uh, um, Kay, Kay is an old uh, classmate of my, my wife, so they, they go back a long time, you know. So uh, very good friends, and that kind of relationship was very helpful in, t- in, in that sense, you know. Or if I forgot something, which often I did, you know, oh, I forgot a little character or some detail in the illustration, and then I would 
be able to ask her about that, and then she would kindly kind of fill it in. So yeah, not like was, a, somebody new working with you, but oh, not again, another revision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was an enjoyable process, and I I think as the project grew and neared the kind of completion date, we were both very excited about that, and of course, when it was released, I. Of course, I, I gave her a copy, uh, and then she was very happy to hold the, the copy in her hand. You know, it's also her baby as well. Exactly, so, it's like know, a baby. It, it's re really like you know, like a baby. So, from the very kind of um, first moment, the idea, and then shaping the text through the story, and then adding the illustrations and everything mm. else. Yeah. What did you sort of learn along the way, Sam? Uh, um, you're self-published mm. this book, yeah, yeah. and there's so much to learn w with that. It's really not an easy. It's a big sort of undertaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, when I speak to authors, it's sort of feeling their way. Yeah. You've got to find the right connections or speak to the right people. How did you go about it, and what sorts of tips can you share with some of our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, I very much wrote from the heart to begin to begin with. You know, this was a. It's not. It's not really a kind of vanity project or anything like that. It was very much a book that I wanted to write for practical use, for my, you know, for my family first of all, for my students. Uh, I can I can have it as an extra reader, an extra resource, and I wanted to make it as good as I could. So I, I took quite a long time in kind of shaping the the product. Um, in terms of self-publishing, yes, I I mean. In some ways, it's a lot quicker than being signed to a publishing house, and but that comes with pros and cons. First of all, you're responsible for all of your marketing. Depend that depends on how much you want to do and how far you want to take that. But it, it requires a lot of kind of, um, uh, I would say, doing everything by yourself and trying to think, you know, who who would like this book and emails and contacting people and that kind of thing putting out the the word of the book for example the press kit is a is a technique that i used for my album last yes. year my music and i found that when i was emailing radio stations etc if i had a press kit that they could click on with one button and they would access everything they needed you know the, the songs a little letter perhaps a couple of photos that would kind of fill them in in terms of what my style was like, whether it was suitable for them. And I used the kind of press kit idea for the book. Um, I, I had a, I think I gave one, the first chapter as a PDF, yes. along with a covering letter, uh, you know, talking about the kind of dimensions of the book, you know, A5 and 104 pages, 16 illustrations, you know, um, that kind of thing. So that helped when I was reaching out to try and uh, drum up support. Um, and apart from that, you know, th that's all I've done, to be honest, so far. And, you know, because I feel like once the product is out there, sitting on the shelf, so to speak, then it's kind of, in a way, it's out of your hands. It's up to the public then to decide whether they they will like it or not. And so, so far, the reception has been good. I'm delighted about it, you know. But actually, I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking about my next... I was going to say, and, yeah, so, what's in the pipeline um, now? You know, once once you see something kind of launch set sail and it's slowly kind of disappearing over the horizon you're thinking what can i do next because uh, i i just like to keep busy with um projects, pro projects like yeah. involving writing you know in general so to have that um, sort of creative outlet yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. i often find that, that the more you do uh, the, the kind of more fluid the process becomes i won't say that i'm a better writer now but i would say that um I'm used to the path 
that or I'm, I'm aware of the path that you should walk along as a writer and what, what to expect along the way. Like for example, you were saying a writer's block. Um, personally, I, I feel like the writing is one aspect of the process. Another big process is once you've got the book, how do you get it out there? Mm. That's another huge thing. And I'm not, I don't have a background in marketing or anything like that. So I'm kind of doing everything on my own. So that's another, that's, that's like a game of two halves, if you know what I mean. It's very, another level to uh, the yeah, game. And yeah. you know, each time you kind of, um, make a contact or build a build a network, then it's, you can learn something from that. I think exactly. So. Finally, Sam, where can we find out more about the Litterbug? Have you, are you on social media? How can people get themselves yes. a copy? Uh, sure, I have a website called sambarber.com, which is uh, very easy. It's a, it's a place where you can find everything that I've uh, shared with the world so far. You know, my books and my music. Sambarber.com. Uh, if you're interested in purchasing the Litterbug. You can find that in Hong Kong in paperback format, which is available at Kelly and Walsh Bookstore in Pacific Place and also the Hong Kong Book Centre in Central. It's also available at the amazing Vibe Book and Music Shop on Muiwo. And uh, if you would like an e-book version, you can purchase that on Amazon and, as they say, all good bookshops around the world. So. Um, that's that's so so far that's uh that's where the book can be found yeah. sam Thank congratulations you. and i look forward to your next uh, project and inviting you back on to talk about your next book it sounds like it's in the pipeline <laughs> yes meanwhile congratulations once again on your debut book the litter bug which is available online and also some from various bookshops around hong kong thank you very much thank indeed you. thank you very much